Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Beach Point Church. My name is Ken, and I am the lead pastor of our Huntington Beach campus. And uh, in the last service, one of the pe- people at that point that didn't know me leaned over and was like, I didn't know that we had a high schooler leading our Huntington Beach campus. Um, but I'm just blessed with a baby face. So it's good to be with you guys this morning. If you don't know me, um, I served as the associate pastor uh, and the young adult pastor at this campus for a number of years. And then just over two years ago, uh, God had called us to step out in faith, and we uh, started Beach Point Huntington Beach. And, uh, and so Pastor Bill and I swapped places this morning, and I'm so glad to be here with you guys uh, this morning as we conclude our series called Daring Faith. And in this series, if you've been with us over the weeks, we uh, talked about growing in faith. And in that, we looked at Mary and Martha and how uh, God calls us to sit at the feet of Jesus. And that's one of the most important things in this series for us is us learning to grow in our faith and to walk with Jesus as we take those steps of faith with him. And then last week we talked about sowing in faith, of learning to live generous lives and sacrificially giving and, and, and using our finances for God's kingdom purposes. And one of the ways that we are practically wanting to help you walk in that is after Easter, here's a little announcement, is that after Easter, the week after Easter, we're going to begin a nine-week class called Financial Peace University. And this class uh, helps you learn how to do finances God's ways. Uh, My wife and I, we went through the class twice uh, to get all the concepts, and it was so good. I encourage you to take that class if you've never been through Financial Peace University. And at the end of it, not only do you learn how to handle God's uh, finances God's ways and getting on a budget and all those things, um, but it teaches you how to live a generous life for God and how to sow in faith. And so today, as we conclude this series, uh, I'm going to talk about us going in faith, that we would go in faith. Now, I remember as a freshman in college, uh, I went on my very first missions trip. So I had grown up in the church, but I didn't really become a Christ follower. I didn't really become a true Christian in the the true sense of the the word until my freshman year in college. And so shortly thereafter, during spring break, uh, I signed up to go on this missions trip. And so I found myself with 12 other college students in Panama in the middle of this rainforest jungle. And uh, we were at a, a little village of about 300 people. And there was a missionary who had moved from the United States, who's about 40, a single male, who uh, was planting a church amongst these 300 people. And so we were there, and we were just doing these different service projects. The guy had, uh, he lived in a thatched roof uh, hut, and it had, was held up by four wooden poles. It had a wooden platform for a floor that was about two feet off of the ground so that the rainwaters would go under it. He had no uh, running water at his actual home, but they had one spot in the town with running water. And, uh, and so he had an outhouse that he would use for a restroom. And as a, a freshman in college, like this whole experience was kind of uncomfortable for me. Here I am with 12 other students. We're, we're in the middle of the jungle and we're sleeping on little like foam mats on a concrete floor with mosquito nets. And I grew up in Canada and so I'm used to sleeping. And I liked, like opening the window and, and having the, the, the cold air uh, growing up in Canada. Here it's like crank the AC. You know, I want to be as cold as possible in my snuggly bed with a warm blanket. And yet here I am in the middle of the rainforest and it's like 3 a.m. and I'm sweating. And like just, it's just so hot and sticky and that damp air, and it was just uncomfortable. And uh, in the midst of that, God prompts this question on my heart. Ken, would you be willing to do this for me? Like, Ken, would you be willing to, like this guy, be a missionary sent out and go and share the gospel with a group of people? And my honest answer was, no. I know. 
Like, I don't want to do that. Like, God, I, I love you and I'll follow you, but I'm not going to Panama. I'm not going to this jungle and, and definitely not going to uh, go without having a wife at first. You know, it's like this guy, he, he's, he's not going on any blind dates in this town. You know, like everyone knows everyone. Like, no, God. And it's like, I, I, love, I love the cold. I want to, you know, I want the air conditioning. It's like, I need TV. I need my TV shows. I need This Is Us. I don't know how I'm going to survive these next six months without it. But definitely not going like my whole life without TV. You know, like, God, I can't do this. This is too uncomfortable. This is no. And, I, and so I start to make up all these excuses. You guys ever been there before? Right? Like God's calling you to something. You start making up excuses uh, like he doesn't know them. You're like, God, I'm a freshman in college. Like, I don't know a lot about the Bible. Um, I, I haven't been to Bible college. I, I didn't go to seminary. Like, I don't have khaki pants. You know, missionaries, you got to have khaki pants and the hat. I don't have any khaki pants. And so you're like trying to talk God out of this. Like God's calling you to something and you're like having this conversation, all these excuses, trying to talk him out of it. And that's where I was. But I got to tell you, my answer was no. But I wanted to be the sort of Christian that would say yes. I knew that and I started to struggle as I came home from that trip. I started struggling. God began to break down barriers in my heart. Because I wanted to be the type of Christian that didn't have exception clauses. Like didn't have exceptions where it was like it has to be a place that has AC or I got to have TV or it's got to be something I feel comfortable stepping into. At all these exception clauses. And God began to break down the barriers and say, Ken, would you be willing to go wherever I call you, whatever it costs, however uncomfortable it might be? And God began growing me to be a type of Christian. And I'm not, I haven't arrived, but growing more and more and wanting to be the type of Christian who'd say yes to whatever God calls me to. Now, maybe you're like me, and maybe as God calls you, he, there's certain places you're like, God, I'm willing to go anywhere but not, come on, not North Dakota or, you know, God, I'm willing to go, but not, not that person at work, not that person in my family, not that situation is uncomfortable. You see, we begin to put exception clauses. God, you, you can have my life, you can do anything, but not, this is off limits, right? Maybe you're like me and we begin to have places that we say, this is off limits, God. But the reality is, if you are a Christ follower, if you are a Christian, God has a mission to seek and to save that which is lost. And God is calling you. And sometimes it's to places that you don't want to go. And sometimes it's to people you don't want to go. And sometimes it's situations where you're not comfortable or you don't feel equipped. And yet God sends his people out. And this is our big idea this morning. If you're a note taker, you can write this idea down. It's this, that God is on a mission and he sends us out in daring faith. That God has a mission to seek and save lost people. And his strategy to do that is to send out you. To send you out in daring faith to people and to places. And so to see this idea this morning, we're going to look at the early church. And when they first caught this vision for God sending them on mission. For God sending them on mission. And so I want to invite you to grab a Bible and to turn with me to the book of Acts. And as you turn there, what I want to give you is a bit of the history of, of Acts up to this point. The early church, Jesus, he rose from the dead and uh, he sent his Holy Spirit. And the church started with 12 people and it quickly grew to thousands of people in the city of Jerusalem, the capital of Israel. And these early Christians, the early church, they shared the gospel with other Jewish people. 
who became Jewish Christians. And at the time, the Jewish faith was the only one on earth that believed that there was one God who was the creator of the heaven and earth and who created us for relationship with him. And so Christians believed that God came through Jesus Christ and he was the chosen one. He was the Messiah. He was the one who came to save people from their sins. And so the early Christians were sharing their faith with Jewish people in the synagogues. And they would become Jewish Christians. Well, persecution broke out in the city of Jerusalem. And so these Christians, these Jewish Christians, began to spread out to different places. And so we're going to read about the first time that these Jewish Christians began to share the gospel outside, intentionally, a church beginning to share the gospel with people who are non-Jewish. And so if you look with me, Acts chapter 11, beginning in verse 19, the church in Antioch does something that no church had done up to this point. Let's read together. It says this, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out in Jerusalem when Stephen was killed, they got scattered. They traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word, and everyone say this with me, spreading the word together, only among Jews, only among the Jews in the synagogues, sharing the gospel there. Verse 20, this is a turning point, and you can almost miss it as you're reading through Acts. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks. These were Gentiles, these were non-Jewish people who didn't believe that there was one true God. These were people who were, they were considered far from God, lost people, lived a very different lifestyle than this group of men. And it says, they began to speak to Greeks also. This is the first time this has happened. Telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And verse 21 tells us, the Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. It's amazing. We see here that this church begins to go to their city. And not just to the Jewish people, not just to the people who are like them, but to lost people. People who are far from God. And they intentionally go and share the gospel with them. And we ought to be like the church in Antioch. And you can write this idea down, that God is calling us to go to our city. God is calling us to go to lost people in our community. Not just trying to grow our church by reaching people from other churches. Not just trying to grow our church by grabbing other Christians and saying, hey, our thing is better. Our mission is to go out and to reach our city, to reach lost people who are far from God. And God is calling each and every one of us to be a part of that. I love how one pastor in Santa Cruz, his name uh, is Dan Campbell, he uh, shared this with his church. He was telling them they were going to go on a missions trip. And he was looking for volunteers. And uh, this trip was to go on the, to this exotic beach town in Mexico called Zercatnes. And Zercatnes is this Mexican city that's a beach culture. And they would go there on this long-term missions trip. They could live with host families. They would get opportunity to interact with the locals. They could even get a job. But the mission was to share the gospel. And through those relationships, share the gospel with the people that they met there. And people got excited about this. When the pastor informed them that Zucatnes, or Zucatnes is just Santa Cruz spelled backwards. And that God was calling their church to be just as excited about this mission trip to some Mexican made-up city uh, as they were in their own city to live on mission and to reach people in their own city. And it's the same thing with us. God is calling us to go to our city, to Yalev Niatnuf, <laughs> Fountain Valley. 
And to Hakayab Nitnu, <laughs> Huntington Beach, and the surrounding cities, that God has called us to go to our city, that God is sending us out on his mission, and that you and I are called to participate in that. And that's why we make a big deal about 8 to 15 here. If you're new here, 8 to 15 is this idea that all of us have 8 to 15 relationships, that God has strategically placed you there. And God wants to bless through you, bless these people. And in your 8 to 15, there ought to be, there should be people who are non-believers, non-Christians, people who are not following Christ. And God's called you to love them and serve them and pray for them and ultimately to share the good news with those people. But it requires us living intentionally in our city. It requires us living each day knowing that we are sent people. One of the ways that, uh, for my family, that we're, we're trying to do this is my four-year-old son, KJ, he just began playing ice hockey. And, uh, and so I don't know why he picked hockey out of all the sports that are out there. I don't know who influenced him on that. But four-year-old, he just loves hockey. And so we started uh, him playing ice hockey a couple months ago. And so I'm totally that dad that I'm watching. And, and he's like, like, you know, he's skating like this and like can barely, you know, shoot the puck. But he shoots the puck, and, and it's open net. There's no goalie, right? And he shoots the puck, and it goes in. And I'm like, yeah, did you see that? Like, I'm in the stands with, like, the other dads. Like, did you see that? My kid's going to be in the NHL one day. Like, this kid is phenomenal. Did you see that? You know, all the other dads are just, like, eye rolls. You know, like, whatever. And, uh, and so the first few, few, few times, I was, like, just that guy. Like, I was just like, so excited. My kid's going to be pro. I mean, look at him. Look what he stood there. And, uh, and, uh, and then God began to work on my heart. And God started shifting my focus of like, Ken, your kid's not going to be pro. I'm like, oh, it's all my dreams, my childhood dreams trying to be lived out through my kid. You know, great parenting um, right there. And God's like, your kid's not going to be pro. Don't focus on that. He said, but why don't you look around at the opportunity that you could live intentionally. Look at the other families, the parents, the coaches. This is an opportunity for your family to reach other families in your city. So God's began to shift my heart and my focus and seeing that ice hockey, my four-year-old playing hockey, is an opportunity for us to live intentionally and to impact the lives of people in our city. And so I'm intentionally planning on coaching and being a coach and getting involved in opportunity for our family to reach other families in our city. You see, God is calling us to go to our city. And the church in Antioch lived this out. And they did this. So much so that so many people were coming to Christ that 300 miles away in the city of Jerusalem, word got there that Gentiles were being reached by this church. And so the church in Jerusalem sent one of their leaders, Barnabas, to go and to investigate what's going on in Antioch. And so Barnabas shows up. He's like, what's going on here? What you guys are doing is unconventional. No other church is intentionally reaching these Gentiles. And what he sees is, God's spirit is in it, and he's excited about it, and he affirms them, and he encourages them, and then he goes, and he travels 100 miles away to Tarsus to get a man named Saul, who we now know as the Apostle Paul, and Saul had become a Christian, and he was teaching in Tarsus at the synagogues and, and sharing the gospel with Jews as well, but Barnabas brought him, and the two of them went back to Antioch, to the church there, and they joined the, the church staff. And for over a year, they, they begin teaching and they join in this, this movement that Antioch has started of reaching Gentiles in the city. And for over a year, they're part of the pastoral team. 
And I want us to turn now to Acts chapter 13 to see what happens next in the church in Antioch. Over a year has gone by. These two men are part of the pastoral team. In Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, it says this. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. These were the pastors. And he names five of them. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, who we know as the Apostle Paul. Verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, while they were gathering together and were worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work, for the missionary work to which I have called them. Verse 3, so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands, the church laid their hands on Barnabas and Saul, and they sent them off for what would become the very first global missions project. Not only has this church, is the first church that's reaching their city of of intentionally not just reaching Jewish people and, and bringing them Christianity, but reaching lost people, Gentiles in their city. But this becomes the first church that intentionally sends missionaries out all over the world. But in this, what I want you to notice in chapter 13 there is that it wasn't the church's idea. It wasn't really them who was sending these two. It was the Holy Spirit. This is the next thought I want to invite you to write down, is this, that the Spirit sends us on his mission. The Spirit of God is the one that sends us out. And if you read the book of Acts, you see that the Spirit is the one who leads the church. The Spirit is the one who empowers them, gives them the words to say as they live on God's mission. And the Spirit of God is the one who sends us. And what we see here is that God's Spirit chose these two men. Out of these five pastors, leaders, their church staff, God chose those two men, and God chose the other three to stay, and his spirit continued to work through them to reach their city. You see, it's the spirit of God that sends us, and the Antioch church was willing to listen, was willing to allow the spirit to lead them and guide them, and willing to say yes when the spirit sent them on mission. And my question is, are, are you and I, are we listening to the spirit's promptings? Are you and I, are we listening for the voice of God as he sends us, as he leads us in his mission each and every day of our lives? You see, the Spirit sends us on mission. And now you might be here and you're saying, hey, I, I don't hear the voice of God that way. I, I mean, I, I don't sense the Spirit saying that to me. If you are a Christ follower, you are a sent person. If you are a Christ follower, the Spirit is sending you. That is God's plan. You are plan A, there is no plan B. The church is the way that God shares the gospel with people. And he uses you. John 20, 21, Jesus said, As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Jesus is sending you. You are a sent person. 2 Corinthians 5, it says it this way, that he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. He has committed to us the gospel message. And we, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors. You and I, if you are a Christ follower, you are an ambassador of the gospel. As though God were making his appeal through us. God makes his appeal through people, through the church, through you. If you are a Christ follower, you are a sent person. But are you listening to the Spirit as he prompts you, as he leads you, as he sends you out? to places, to people. Whether or not it's places you want to go, whether it's not people that you want to go to. 
Are you listening as the Spirit sends you? I love uh, one of the young adults in our church um, recently just has really lived this out. Her name is Brooklyn, and Brooklyn uh, attends a particular Starbucks frequently. And so she goes to Starbucks, and she started making a friendship with one of the baristas named Samantha. And so Brooklyn would come in, and she'd order the same thing over and over again, a grande latte. And so Samantha got to know her name, got to know her order. And so she'd come in, the usual, yeah, the usual. And, and so they would talk, and they formed a friendship at Starbucks, you know, this customer with her barista. And one time when she was in Starbucks, she sensed God saying, you need to invite her to your life group. And so Brooklyn did. And Samantha showed up on a Tuesday night at her life group. And in that life group, she found community. And she found acceptance. And she found love. And she discovered God's plan for her life. And and that Jesus Christ loved her. She found this acceptance in God and in his community. And she never stopped coming back. And she's joined our church, and she's found the love of Christ in her life, and she's wanting to go public uh, with her faith at Beach Baptisms. And I tell that story to make this point, that some of you don't like Starbucks, and yet this is proof that Starbucks lattes are literally changing people's lives, okay? (laughs) Starbucks person. Now, the point is that person... Christ follower named Brooklyn, doing her daily routine, sensed the Spirit sending her to her Starbucks barista and was willing, with how uncomfortable it might be, willing to go and to share. And as a result, someone's life is is eternally changed forever. See, one thing I love about the, the Acts 11 passage, the first one that we looked at was, as the church in Antioch, it's a monumental moment, the first church beginning to intentionally reach people in their city. We don't know the names. They didn't say the names of the people who planted that church. And your name might not ever be written in a history book. But you do have the opportunity to change someone's history for all of eternity. And your name might not be written in a history book, you have the opportunity to transform someone's history. Are you listening as the Spirit leads you, as he guides you, as he prompts you? The Spirit sends us on his mission. One more thing that we see here in the Antioch church, and I invite you to write this idea down, is that ascending church, being ascending church, it costs us. Being a church that sends people out on mission in our city, around the world, It costs us. It requires sacrifice. It's kind of like childbirth. I've never experienced the pains of childbirth. I've witnessed my wife go through it three times. And any of you who who have birthed a child, any of you who have adopted a child, you know the pain and the the time and effort and, and the sacrifice that's involved in childbirth. But it's worth it as it brings new life. And it's the same thing with the mission of God. It costs us. It requires sacrifice. But it's so worth it. And being ascending church, it costs us. What I want you to notice in this text is that five teachers, five pastors are mentioned. And of these five, Barnabas and Saul are the ones who are called by God and sent out. 
Now, as we read that and you're just kind of passing through, you're like, oh, no big deal. What I want you to realize is that those were their two best leaders. Barnabas is mentioned first because he's the, the, the senior leader in the group. He's their senior pastor. And he's the one that God calls and sends out. Saul, who is later called Paul, he's one of the biggest leaders of the entire church in all of history. And he's the one who's sent out as well. And I got to imagine, if you're in that church, and God says, hey, I want you to send Barnabas and Saul. You're like, no, please, God, come on, can't we send someone else? It's like, we've got Judas's cousin in the group. You know, send him out, send someone else. God, not them. It's kind of like you got the NBA, like, dream team. And, and, and on your team, God says, I want uh, Michael Jordan and LeBron James. I'm going to take them out. I'm going to send them out on missions. You're like, no, not them, right? It costs. It's costly. But it's worth it for the mission. You see, when we value the mission over our comfort, when we value the mission over our own uh, selves, we begin to realize that there are lost people who God wants to reach. And it's worth the sacrifice. It's worth the cost. You see, it costs us corporately as a church. We as a church want to continue to be a sending church, and it costs us. We, uh, in these last few years, we planted Beach Point Huntington Beach, and it cost us as a church. It cost financially, it cost leaders, but it's so worth it for the sake of the mission. And as we continue to be a sending church, we're, we've sent uh, leaders all over the world. We've sent people out that God's called to other churches and other places and other places of the world. And we as a church need to continue to be open-handed, saying, God, your mission is more important than our comfort. Your mission is more important than us always getting to be together. But God, as you call people and send them out, God, we will, we will count that cost, Lord, for the sake of the mission. It costs us corporately. It costs us financially as a church. It also costs us personally. If you take seriously the call to live as a missionary in Fountain Valley, in Huntington Beach, in your workplace, and wherever you live. It's going to cost you. It costs your time. It takes time to be intentional of reaching out to lost people and developing a relationship with them. It takes time. It costs us. I think the biggest thing is it costs us a comfort. It's uncomfortable. What do I say? How do I interact with people who think differently than me, who live differently than me? I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to share. I don't know if Bible. I don't know if enough. And we have all these exception clauses. It costs us our comfort. But being ascending church, we need to be willing to count the cost. See, uh, Beach Point Huntington Beach, two weeks ago, we just celebrated our two-year anniversary as a church. And I am more excited about our church uh, than I've ever been. God has been doing some awesome things, amazing things. And one of the, the, the cool things recently has been in January, we hired a new children's director. Her name's Jackie. I believe we have a picture of her here. And that's Jackie hanging out um, with some of the kids up at camp. And Jackie and her husband, Alex, have just amazing passion and vision for kids and for reaching families. And I'm so excited about this next season of what God's going to do through our church, reaching families in the city of Huntington Beach. Now, as a church, what we've seen is God has been really blessing, and we've been reaching a lot of young adults coming to Christ, a lot of young married couples. We've got a lot of babies. We've got a lot of toddlers. We've got a lot of preschoolers and kind of early age elementary. But the uh, older age elementary, middle school, and high school age is a little light. And I've watched as we as a church 
Beach Point, Fountain Valley, over the years, we have done a phenomenal job of reaching families. I mean, look around this room. A ton of families here. Parents with kids and schools. And if you look at the, the, the areas that we're reaching, it's 90% Fountain Valley. The youth group is mostly Fountain Valley uh, high school students. Uh, middle school, you got uh, Masuda. Uh, tell, help me out. What are some other ones? Fulton. Um, elementary, you got Courageous. You got Tamura. You've got Plavin. You've got these schools in Fountain Valley that we are seeing a lot of families get reached and kids living as missionaries and reaching other families. And I'm committed to seeing the same thing happen in Huntington Beach. I'm committed to seeing the same thing happen in Huntington Beach, that we reach into that city and reach our schools and reach families for Christ. And so one of the things that Pastor Bill and I have been uh, talking about and praying about, and I'm wanting to make an invitation today, is that there might be, and I'm praying for five families, five families that are attending the Fountain Valley campus. But you live in Huntington, your kids go to school in Huntington, and you've been driving to Fountain Valley, I want to ask you to pray that maybe God is sending you as a missionary to join us to reach other families in Huntington Beach. Because I want to see in the years to come the same thing that God has done in and through this church in this community. I want to see the same thing happen in Huntington Beach. That the schools there and the families there are living as missionaries and reaching others who are lost. And let me just say, if God is stirring that up in your heart, it's going to cost you. It's going to be a cost for your family. Uh, I know my wife and I, it's cost us a ton. Not just financially, but relationally, everything, our lives. I mean, my wife grew up in this church. We were married right here in this place. And yet, we were willing to say, God, no matter what the cost, Lord, we're willing to say yes to wherever you send us, whatever it looks like. And we have a heart to reach the city that God has called us to. And so I want to invite some of you to pray as God stirs up that in your heart. But for all of us, for all of us, I want to ask this question. Who is God calling you to go to? Who are the people, where are the places that God is calling you to go to? And I want to invite you right now to even write that down. You can write it in your phone, write it on your note page. Actual names and places that as I've been talking this last half hour, what are names? Who are people? What are places that God has been stirring up in your heart? And for some of you, it's to go to your family, to your workplaces, to friends, to neighbors, to your school, and to live this out in, in our city. For others, maybe God's calling you to a place somewhere else, and God's been stirring that up in your heart. And I just want to invite you to write down the places and the people that God is calling you to go to. And would we be people, would we be people that would not have exception clauses? Would we be people who would say, God, I will follow you with no buts. I will follow you, God, wherever you lead me, whatever it costs. I'm willing to be a person who'd say, I will go. I will live as a missionary. And one real simple way, maybe as you've written down some names, one simple way uh, to reach some people is we have Easter coming up, and there's going to be four services. You hopefully got one of these cards on your way in. There's four services here at the Fountain Valley campus. One is on Saturday night and then the three normal times on Sunday morning. But who are you going to bring with you? Who are you going to invite to Easter this year? See, as the band comes up and as we respond together in this time of worship, may we be a church 
who knows that God is on a mission and that may we value his mission over our own comfort. May we value his mission so much so that we would live as sent people, allowing his spirit to lead us, to guide us, that we would listen for the spirit to prompt us in our daily lives, whether you're at Starbucks or wherever else, that you would say, God, here am I, send me. And may we, as we go in faith, as we say yes to wherever God calls us, whoever God calls us to, as we go in faith and we share the good news of who Jesus is with them, may we be a church that, like the Antioch Church, continues to see a great number of people come to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, Lord, I pray for our church that we would continue to be ascending church. God, that we would continue to be a people who live on mission. And so God, I pray that as we sing these next songs, Lord, I pray that you would break our hearts, Lord, for the things that your heart beats for. God, that you would break our hearts for the names of people, Lord, that were written down, the people that you brought to mind, the places, God, that are filled with people who don't know you, who aren't following you, who are living in darkness, who are battling anxiety and depression, whose marriages are falling apart. And God, will we be people who our hearts, God, break for what your heart breaks for. God, that we would be people that your mission, God, we value your mission and your kingdom, God, above our own comfort, our own plans. And so, God, I pray that you would stir up in our hearts, Lord, a passion to share the love of Christ with the community around us. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. All God's people said.